Hi, it's Tony Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, inviting you to subscribe to our other podcast called The Grave Talks. It's where I sit down and interview individuals who've had extreme paranormal situations happen to them in their lives. Just search The Grave Talks on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Be sure to press subscribe and give us some stars to help spread the word that this show exists. Now, here's a 15-minute preview of The Grave Talks. Today on The Grave Talks, New England Legends. New England legends run far and wide. Stories of cryptic creatures pushing young people off cliffs. Christmas monsters keeping children in line. Ghostly women lingering around cemeteries. The list goes on and on. Being one of the oldest settled parts of the United States, it's not hard to understand why this area is filled with ghost stories and legends that many people believe and experience to this day. Jeff Belanger has been documenting these legends and stories for many years and joins us to talk about some of the most compelling New England legends he's ever uncovered. So I remember being a kid about 10 years old and living in Newtown, Connecticut, and uh, Sandy Hook specifically. And just two towns away, there was this story that everyone used to talk about, about the White Lady of Easton. And she's this spectral white figure that had been seen up and down the road right next to Union Cemetery in Easton, which is at this intersection of a couple of uh, major back roads. You know, like if you were, you know, cutting through to fair down to the coast or whatever. And it's one of those things where you, you would happen by it quite a bit because these roads are, you know, pretty significantly traveled. And when you go by... You can't help but look. You can't help but look into the cemetery and, and say, well, I wonder if, if tonight's the night that I'll actually see her. So I, I'm a little kid. I'm 10, 11 years old. And I'm looking out the back window all the way until the cemetery is completely out of sight, just waiting to catch a glimpse of this thing. And that story was so reinforced by Ed and Lorraine Warren who lived one town away in, in Monroe. So I lived in the, you know, the town next to them and two towns from Easton. And so I knew Ed and Lorraine Warren since I was a young kid and heard them tell the story. And I saw this video that Ed showed me once of this, this apparition he captured there. And I remember looking at it and going, oh man, unless Steven Spielberg helped him with this video, I have no explanation for what it is he captured. You see this white, wispy shape take form into like a, a person. I would even go so far as to call it feminine looking, like kind of sort of curvy. And it's moving around some headstones, coming toward the camera, and then this black stuff just kind of pulls it down into the ground. The whole thing is about four or five seconds, but that's a long time. And I just, my jaw's hanging open. I saw the video. And even to this day, if I happen to be driving by that cemetery, you can't help but slow down and look. When, when you have something like that, that has the lore around it, that, that people talk about as the haunted cemetery, but then you actually are able to see some evidence of this being far more than just a legend. Uh, what, what, what goes through your mind? I mean, what, what, what is the history uh, to that legend that, that makes it, so real besides having evidence. 
Yeah, that's the great thing, right? So the the backstory, and and by backstory I mean definitely legend, is that there was a woman who was killed on her wedding day, and her body was buried behind the church, which is right next to the cemetery, or or discarded behind the church rather. And there's no record of it. We can't find any sort of record of that. And then another version of the story is that it was just this this scorned, murdered woman who was buried in the cemetery, and she's kind of like out seeking revenge. And there was a time when women were buried in their wedding dresses. That was common practice. So white lady legends, they're all over England. White ladies, gray ladies, green ladies. And that influence is still felt in New England uh, and, and really all around the United States. So though they're not as prevalent as Old England, we have our share as well. So that was Connecticut's version, the white lady of Easton. We don't specifically know her backstory. We do know women used to get buried in wedding dresses. And then you combine that with, with these firsthand accounts where people say they're driving down the road and they see this woman step into the road and they lock up the brakes and they say, oh my God, I just hit a, a pedestrian or something. And you get out of your car and there's no one there. And you're sure you just hit someone, but nope, it's gone. And then you see the cemetery and you can't help but think of that story. And it goes back, I mean, it goes back, gosh, 60, 70 years at this point, uh, people have been talking about that. And so at some point, the legend becomes as real as the headstones, as the old wrought iron gates, as the as the land that it's on, because everyone just sort of knows it. And I know that that influences you in some way. Even if we can't say why this ghost was here, it still begs us to ask questions and, and speculate. To this day, do you still get people contacting you with a variation of that story where it just happened to them? Not spe not specifically the white lady. It's been a long time since I've heard an account for, from that one, but others, absolutely. It happens all the time because I'm out here doing this all the time every week. You know, I, I, I tell stories in front of people. I do the podcast. I write books. I work in television and, and this is my whole life. And so I've sort of become a magnet for the stories, which by the way is awesome when it's also your job Sure. because, <laughs> you know, sometimes your next lead is just in today's email and, um, and it's, I appreciate it more than I can ever say. So sometimes people will say, oh my gosh, I was on Catherine's Hill in, in Cherryfield, Maine, and my car started to go haywire, it started to slow down, and then I started thinking about the headless ghost of Catherine's Hill. And it's one of those things where you go, wow, the, the legend just got a shot in the arm. It just got a, a dose of steroids. And they, they wrote to me, they're probably talking to other people, and suddenly it grows again. And a legend, I've said many times, is a living, breathing thing. It cannot be disputed. It is real. It feeds. It grows. It can go to sleep. It can go dormant. It can move. It can marry others. And it can die. And the only way a legend dies is if we all stop talking about it. There is no other way. You can try to disprove it. You can say, look, I've looked through the historical records. There's no murder victim in Union Cemetery in Easton, Connecticut. There's no, you know, uh, hitchhiker murdered on this stretch of road or whatever. It doesn't matter. As long as people keep having these weird experiences, as long as they tie it to this thing they heard, it becomes very real and very tangible. When you have legends like that, I mean, it's something I always think about, too, where you, you hear a story and it sounds almost, you know, too interesting, too good to be true or something of that nature of 
or, or it's a variation of one that, that floats around the country where there's many, obviously, communities have these stories. And until you, you move out of that community or go beyond that bubble, you think this is unique to my area. And then you discover, oh my God, every town in America has this, this story, you know, except it's that road or, or this road, like the, the car being pushed by the bridge or, or something. Gravity Hill. Yes, exactly. Yes. Everyone's got oh. one. <laughs> we have three in Massachusetts alone. <laughs> <laughs> but you and, always, and I, I know, I, I, and I've been to the one in Texas, which I think started it all. I can't totally prove that, but really? it seems to be the earliest reference. And uh, you're right, yeah, the, every because everyone sort of wants one, mm-hmm. and we can all relate to it. Right. And I think that's part of the reason it sounds sort of familiar. We can. And, and you're almost kind of answering the question I'm, I'm going to ask when it comes to those. I always say, you know, there there must be some place where this originates. Finding the origins of these stories obviously is not the easiest thing in the world. And in many cases, probably impossible uh, for some of these at this point, because they go back in some cases more than 100 years uh, with no true way to say, yes, this is where it originated. But that's what I'm always interested in when you have these these legends that people still claim to experience and some have evidence of experiencing it's like well where did this begin how did this begin tell me about that with the texas case of of the gravity hill how did you trace that back where do you believe or how do you believe that that is where that may have began So it was one of those things where it's just the earliest written record that I could find, you know, and uh, and I can't promise it's the first, but it's the one that everyone seems to sort of point to. And the story goes and I I forget which town, gosh, it was, but there there are these train tracks and a school bus full of children pull up on the train tracks and the bus stalls and the train's coming and there's no time to get out. And tragically, the train hits the bus and all the children die. It's so horrible. It's so terrible. And to this day, if you put your car in neutral by those train tracks, the car will seemingly be pushed uphill against gravity and over and through the train tracks to safety. And if you want to test it, if you can take talcum powder and you can put it all over the trunk of your car before you do this and then go ahead and wait, watch the car get pushed up over to safety and then go look at your trunk and what you'll see are dozens of these little tiny fingerprints of the children that just pushed your car to safety and the crazy thing tony is it works i've tried it <laughs> and it turns out there's a pack of children that live in a tree stump nearby and they go and help every night <laughs> so what it turns out is that i've done the talcum powder okay and and i've done these i did the one there was one in massachusetts uh the, the, the variation of the story it's in um it's in the berkshires of massachusetts is this is right under an overpass of route two and the story goes that a school bus full of children went over the overpass and died on impact when it hit the road below uh, going off the bridge from above. Mm-hmm. And if you put your car in neutral right there in that spot, it will be pushed to safety so the bus doesn't hit you, so you're not hit. And it does seemingly look uphill. And I did the talcum powder, and there were dozens of fingerprints all over the trunk of the car. And so um, that one, uh, sadly, we can't explain with science. Those would be my fingerprints because every time I close the trunk of the car, I'm leaving fingerprints on them and talcum powder is just bringing them out, right? Um, unless you just had your car washed and waxed, then you, you probably won't see any fingerprints. Um, so, so that, but that reinforces the story. And then the other part of it is it's, it's a bit of an optical illusion. It turns out there's a slight dip in the road right before the bridge. And it's just enough that if you put your car in neutral, you'll start to pick up a little bit of momentum and then go up the hill 
right in you know right underneath the uh, the bridge same as the one in texas and it, it all works the same that texas story there's no record of a school bus getting hit by a train i mean that's the kind of thing that would actually be talked about forever sure. you know i mean because when big tragedies like that happen we never forget i mean communities never forget there's memorials placed there I mean, if, if, if truly a school bus full of children was killed, there would be like markers with all the names and all kinds of things to commemorate that because that's that's just a horrible thing that we would want to commemorate. Sure. Um, so so it, but it doesn't matter because w- with this legend and really with all of them, I think they stick around because it's like a sermon from our past and we need it for some reason that we may not fully understand at the time. So that one uh, is, you know, hey, train tracks are dangerous. Uh, overpasses are dangerous. You need to pay attention when you're driving. You need to stay awake. You need to be alert. You shouldn't be stopping your car underneath a bridge or right by a train track. It's a bad idea. So maybe we keep telling each other this story as a reminder that, you know, though that school bus full of children was not, uh, you know, they, they weren't killed right here in this spot. It could happen to you in your car. People do get hit by trains. Cars do stall out and, and tragedies do happen. So we tell those stories to remind us to be a little bit vigilant, especially in dangerous places. Cautionary tales for children. I mean, it really is. And it's almost done subconsciously. I mean, if you just tell a person, OK, don't stop on the train track, don't play in the train track. That's one thing. But if you can follow yeah. that up with. And by the way, a bus of children were all you know slaughtered here. That makes it a little more impactful. That makes you think twice. <laughs> it does. It hits you. And not only, so not only that in uh, in England, there's like I said, there's gray ladies and green ladies and white ladies. Uh, one one story that gets told a lot is, you know, castle ruins uh, are haunted by the gray lady and you've got to stay away from there because if she catches you she'll kill you and it's a story parents are all too happy to tell their children over and over again because playing in castle ruins is dangerous you could fall those stones could fall on top of you it's not really a safe place so sometimes those those ghosts appear or something weird happens and then it gets reinforced by telling the story over and over again because that gray lady ghost is actually keeping your children safe it's interesting and, and that's very geographic specific to castle ruins you know in in america obviously we don't have many castle ruins that we need to put a cautionary tale out to children for maybe soon we'll have you know, some sort of version of that for shopping centers or you know, <laughs> don't, right, don't yeah. go to the haunted well, kmart you know? <laughs> well we do have one there's one in massachusetts he's called the monster of coca-cola ledge really and Oh, it's so good. It's in North Adams, Massachusetts, and it's called Coca-Cola Ledge because there's this big cliff face. Probably it's got to be like 100 feet at least, you know, maybe 150 feet. And it overlooks the whole town. And in the 1950s, the Coca-Cola company painted a big old billboard right on the side of the cliff. I hope you enjoyed your 15-minute preview of our new podcast, The Grave Talks. Be sure to subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download podcasts to not miss any episode of the show. New episodes every single Monday. Just search for The Grave Talks and then press subscribe. Give us a review while you're at it and some stars that will help us grow in the rankings and let other folks know that the show exists to make an even better show for you. The Grave Talks. Check it out at thegravetalks.com.